Market Foolery is brought to you by PayPal Credit. Summer's here, so make the most of it by booking your travel plans or purchasing your favorite gadgets with six months special financing on purchases of $99 or more with PayPal Credit. Learn more at paypal.com slash fool. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. It's Monday, July 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Jason Moser in the house. Thanks for being here. Addy. We got to get to a couple of fun <laughs> things here. Uh, sorry, it's the end of a long day, and uh, and I'm a little under caffeinated and brain dead. So this is this is going to be great. Hey man, I'll 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 help you through it. First time listeners are always like, they're already thinking to themselves like, why am I listening to this? How long is this my, again? My friend told me to listen to this. Why am I listening to this idiot? Um, a very interesting deal from Etsy that I want to get to. Um, I think the bigger headline today is from Equifax, the credit reporting company. Um, Equifax, which was in the news uh, for, um, let's just say, some digital security issues, they're going to be paying a fine of, and help me here, is it $700 million or is it up to $700 million? I've seen both reported. It's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars worth of a fine that Equifax is going to be paying for this. Um, the stock is up, which leads me to believe this is the old adage of the market hates uncertainty. And now that we're certain what the ceiling on the fine is going to be, we're good to proceed with Equifax. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. It's it's up to seven hundred million, and and part of that is a fine, and part of that is actually putting together a consumer fund for monetary relief for consumers who may have been um, wronged. By this action, and um, I mean, yeah, I think to your point, you have a lot more clarity now as to as to the path forward for Equifax. And I mean, I think all along the way, we were thinking, man, someone's got <laughs> someone's got to go to jail for something. And and I mean, certainly there was an executive who was caught for insider trading and, and is going to serve, I think, four months in prison for that. Um, I mean, we talk a lot about these security breaches, and regardless of the industry, I mean. The way that technology works in our lives today, security breaches unfortunately are just part of of the deal. I mean, I approach it always at least as a when, not if. I understand, you know, that's not saying it's okay. It's just understanding the reality of the situation. Um, you know, I, I was looking back at the attitude sort of during the time that this was going on back in September of 2017. Of course, people were angry. They felt like you know they had been violated. Their privacy had been been broken. And you know, I mean, fast forward to today, and and Facebook has just really obviously taken a lot of people to the cleaners as well. This, I think, is is something that is a bit more impactful because I think that your credit score, your credit history, is really an asset that you want to try to protect as you grow up in this country. And so when you when you see a breach like this, it's understand that people get frustrated. But I did look at Equifax at the time and say, you know what? Given what these guys do, and given the nature of the market that they serve, it's hard to imagine that this doesn't maybe look like an opportunity to buy. The stock. You may have to hold your nose doing it, but you know maybe there was a value play uh, there. And I mean, fast forward to today, and since that time, September 11th of 2017 uh, to today, Equifax has returned 25.3 percent to the market's 24.1. So 
you know, there was somebody out there who was looking at this thesis and thinking maybe they could make a little money off of it. Uh, the bottom line is, it gives them a path forward. It reminded me a lot of all of the stuff that went on with Moody's during the credit crisis, the housing crisis, the financial crisis, whatever kind of crisis you want to call it. <laughs> it was a crisis of, of many measures. Um, it, it's hard to imagine, but you look at today, you look at the ten-year chart for Moody's stock, and I mean, it was a really, really good time to be owning that stock. And if if the financial crisis did not take Moody's down, then that that thing is pretty much bulletproof. And and I put Equifax kind of in that same class after this after this is you know finally being wrapped up. It's a good reminder that when there are these types of any type of crisis, and it you're right, there's absolutely an enthusiasm on the part of some to say that company's going down or and and maybe on that day they do but i think a good question for investors to ask and it sounds like at the time you were one of the investors asking this question is some version of who are they competing with if this company loses business who's gaining business and if you have to struggle to think of who is their main competitor then maybe it's a situation where the switching costs are such that they're not in any sort of material business. We talked recently a couple of times about Facebook and made the point that, look, when you look at who are the customers at Facebook, not the users, because you and I are the users, the customers are the people who pay Facebook, it's advertisers, and they appear to be very happy with Facebook. And that really seem to play out here with Equifax. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, you also look at the market itself. I mean, the the nature of what they do, it depends on other agencies essentially being out there to compile their own um, scores as well. So whether it's Experian or TransUnion, I mean, you have this trifecta of companies between the three of them that's really it's difficult to imagine any one of them really being displaced? I mean, unless just a crisis of epic proportions <laughs> happens, which I mean, I don't, I don't know that that necessarily will. I mean, of course it could, but I think just you know the position they hold in the market that they serve is such that it's going to be really difficult for a company like this to be fully and completely disrupted. Um, and so, you know, there are investors who will look at this type of situation and say, you know what? I know everybody's pissed at him, but I'm all right with that. I'm going to try to make some money from this, and I guarantee you, somebody did. Last week, we recorded the Motley Fool Money radio show a little early in the week. Um, so, I think it's worth touching on Microsoft's fourth quarter results just because we weren't able to do that on Motley Fool Money. Well, and Chris, there's only one $1 trillion market cap <laughs> company out there right now, and it ain't Apple. <laughs> it ain't Apple. It ain't Amazon. It's Microsoft. Uh, just another monster quarter. Uh, their fourth quarter results were. Impressive on a lot of levels, yeah. particularly when you think of. A, I mean, this is the biggest public company we have in the United States, and revenue grew twelve percent. It, it, I mean, it really like I, I just I look at this company and I think to myself, wow. I mean, the one thing I've taken away from these past several years. It's been very easy just to give Microsoft a hard time and more or less dismiss it as being slow to change and just miss the whole boat on mobile and yada yada yada. The one thing I think investors have to take away from all of this, this is not Steve Ballmer's Microsoft anymore. I mean, this is Satya Nadella's Microsoft, and he is doing a lot of great things with the team there. I mean, it is just a laundry list of great results beyond that top line growth that you're talking about. The commercial cloud had its biggest quarter ever, up 39%. LinkedIn revenue is up 28%, excluding currency effects. 645 million users on LinkedIn. 
Good results in Office. Azure revenue is up 68%, excluding currency. Windows 10 is active on more than 800 million devices with accelerating adoption. I mean, that's just the beginning. We could go on, Chris. And I will if you let me. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know, hey, listen, we talk a lot about, uh, I, I talk a lot about augmented reality and mixed reality and stuff like that, and Apple's AR kit as being the largest uh, development uh, platform out there in, in augmented reality. I'll tell you, Microsoft is doing a lot of cool stuff here. They talked about HoloLens in the call and uh, this software that they have Azure Spatial Anchors, which essentially is software to help this new generation of app builders build around mixed reality. Uh, gaming right now is facing a little bit of a turning point, but they are making some strong investments in their uh, gaming sector with Project X Cloud. And then, you know, we were just talking about Teams, and I think there are some interesting opportunities for Teams in the coming quarters. Yeah, Microsoft Teams is certainly going to be, uh, and for those unfamiliar, that's the Microsoft competitor to Slack. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to roll that out. Um, I also think, and part of the reason I think this is because one of the people I follow on Twitter is our colleague Aaron Bush. Oh, yeah. Um, a great follow on Twitter, particularly if you're interested in gaming. Uh, Aaron Bush 100 is his Twitter handle. And uh, to the extent that there was, I, it's probably an overstatement to say a weak spot, but to, to the extent that Microsoft had a part of the business that wasn't as strong as the others, um, it's probably the uh, the gaming section. Yeah. Um, you look at Xbox, and uh, you know sales down about ten percent year over year. Um, I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a weakness for Microsoft. I do have ever, ever think that it is going to be an industry increasingly in flux. Yeah. Um, not just, like obviously Microsoft has Xbox, but just all the different gaming platforms out there. Um, it's really going to be interesting to watch the industry. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. I mean, I, I would say if there was a weak part to the quarter. I mean, that would have been it. But it's not to say that was really weak. I think again, it's it's a bit of a segment of the business that's in transition as. You know, we're in this late cycle in regard to the consoles. And then, if you remember recently with Alphabet and the Stadia offering, I think there are more opportunities for these big tech companies essentially to become streaming platforms for gaming. And it seems like Microsoft is working its way towards that as well. And then, I mean, again, I mean, you look at the popularity and the success they had with Minecraft, they're bringing an entire, entirely new perspective to Minecraft for gamers with with a mixed reality component to it and so i just i again i don't think gaming is i don't think it was weak as much as it's just a period of transition for the company i feel pretty confident that they see that opportunity of 2 billion gamers out there in the world and they're going to be able to get their fair share of their attention well nobody here at the fool tweets about gaming like Aaron so oh, yeah, definitely he's, he's definitely worth uh, definitely worth a follow if you're interested uh, quick shout out to PayPal credit if you have any big purchases coming up like trips hotels home goods or just about anything you can use PayPal credit and enjoy 6 months special financing on purchases of $99 or more for big purchases like these try PayPal credit it's a digital reusable credit line built into your account with PayPal it's great for big or unexpected expenses, and you can use it anywhere PayPal is accepted. Applying is easy. Just answer a few quick questions, and you'll know within seconds if you're approved. To learn more and apply, go to paypal.com fool. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. That's paypal.com fool. 
And thanks to PayPal Credit for their advertising support of Market Foolery. Shares of Etsy are up 4% today. Etsy is buying Reverb for $275 million. Reverb, which I'd never heard of until today, <laughs> is a marketplace for new and used music gear and equipment. And what is the thinking here for bullish investors? Is it we like this price because Etsy's Etsy's not a trillion dollar company like Microsoft, <laughs> uh, but this doesn't seem like all the money in the world. No, I don't think it is. I mean, it's it's a $275 million deal. It'll be all cash. Um, I think Etsy will get a lot out of bringing Reverb under its wing. Um, it gives them a brand new vertical in, in that music equipment, whether it be, you know, Vintage or new, um, it's it's an admittedly niche, but a very strong community with plenty of opportunity. I think to juice the revenue as a percentage of gross merchandise sales uh, through the network with with Etsy's expertise in running an online marketplace at scale. And so, uh, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about organic revenue growth versus inorganic, and this is an example of that inorganic, right? It's you're growing through acquisition, and I mean, you always want to put acquisitions under the microscope and try to figure out what. Exactly is the thinking here. Now, the the nice part about this is that you know we've talked a lot about how the economics of the music business can be really really brutal, and I mean that that is on the streaming side of the music business, right? This is really more musical equipment, guitars, synthesizers, amplifiers, pedals, stuff like that. Those economics can can be pretty solid, Um, and you're not talking about like. Rights that you're paying to an artist, you're talking about just selling goods across the network, which is something Etsy already does really well. So you're basically plugging a smaller network in Reverb into a larger network in Etsy, and and I think that it gives Etsy a lot of opportunity to bring, um, you know, a lot of plenty of results really to the bottom line. I mean, if you look at a couple of numbers here, uh, the way these businesses work. So when you look at the gross merchandise sales that flow through the network over a given period, and we'll just go ahead and use you know a year, 2018. Yeah, uh, the gross merchandise sales that flow through the network, and then you have the revenue that Etsy would bring in. And so Etsy uh, saw about 3.9 billion dollars in gross merchandise sales flow through their network in 2018, and they brought in uh, around 604 million dollars. So Reverb pushed through about 600 million in gross merchandise sales and brought in about 42 million dollars. So essentially, Etsy is bringing about 15 percent revenue to gross merchandise sales versus Reverb seven. Now, part of that is the nature of what they're selling, but also part of that is that Etsy's going to be able to really take some of the efficiencies in their model and apply them to Reverb. I mean, they're really good at what they do, and Reverb is a very resilient and growing community. So, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons why this will work. Again, it's just a matter of a network. It's not like they're bringing in a bunch of inventory that they then have to fire sale later. It's just another community, just a far different one than what they've been catering to to this point. Etsy shares are up nearly 60% in the past year. Does this look frothy to you? Spicy? Pick your adjective. This, I, it's a, I'm a fan of the business. I'm not a shareholder. I just look at this and sort of widen the chart and ask myself, wait a minute, is this how expensive is this stock right now? And maybe the answer is not that expensive. Well, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's 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 on fire sale. Okay, it is. 
on the more expensive side, you know. But you have to also keep in mind that this is a profitable business; it's a cash flow positive business, and you have to look really at the track record of what has been going on with this company over the past couple of years. I mean, Joshua Silverman, when he took over the CEO position of this company, really got down to business, and he cut a lot of the fat. He he got them focused on you know building out this network and just doing what they do really well. And uh, you fast forward to today, the stock is where it is. I mean, I'm a shareholder personally, and and I feel good about that. And I mean, a lot of that is just because I think it is beyond just beyond just an e-commerce platform. There's a community there that I think a lot of people are very happy to be a part of, and they do something a little bit different. And, and most of all, they have, in an age of Amazon, demonstrated that they can compete and win. Against Amazon, and you know most of the businesses that we look at now, we're trying to figure out how does Amazon displace this company? How does this company withstand, you know, being marginalized by Amazon? And there are only a few companies that are that are really doing that with flying colors. You got Wayfair doing a pretty good job of it. Home Depot doing a pretty good job of it, and I would put Etsy in that same class. They're doing a really pretty good job of it too. This is a different business. A recent IPO, Pinterest. I was surprised to see that just on a market cap basis, Pinterest is nearly double the size of Etsy. Yeah. And <laughs> but you look at Pinterest's business model, it seems like they have an opportunity they are not profitable, but it seems like they have an opportunity to get there. I don't know, it still sort of surprised me. Not that I thought Etsy was this behemoth, um, but I just thought, well, Etsy's got their niche, they're doing it well, they're profitable, they're cash flow positive. I was like, "Wow, really? Pinterest is double the nearly double the size of this." Yeah, thing? well, I mean, that doesn't necessarily make it right either. I mean, <laughs> we got a lot of companies out there that are worth a lot more than they probably should be trading for right now. Uh, I mean, we have to do. We have to remember, we are in the face of a market that is just in love with these with these tech names, whether it's SaaS or whether it's anything that that is based on an advertising model. I mean, I think really the enthusiasm with Pinterest right now is that there is a connection. To advertising on Pinterest and actual consumer behavior, the chances of a consumer actually taking action and buying something based on what they've seen on Pinterest is far greater than Twitter or Facebook or Snap or Instagram, um, and so that's probably a lot of the enthusiasm there with Pinterest. And I think Etsy, it's a bit easier to kind of let fly under the radar because it is a bit more of a unique type of community, but. I think when you when you dig in a little bit further, you understand actually how the business works. I mean, that's really it's kind of like Wayfair in that regard. That it's it's really it's the power of the network, and and when you have this network that you continue to cater to, you know, it, it continues to grow over time. The numbers tell us everything we need to know. More people are getting on that platform to sell more things every year, and I I think the chances are pretty good that they'll exploit that same uh, talent with reverb too. I mean, I, I live in a house with a lot of musical instruments, and we have a piano, we have several guitars. I told you I got a banjo <laughs> for uh, my birthday or Christmas last year. I mean, these are types of I mean, reverb is a site that I, I mean I love checking it out because I feel like any given day I might go there and just. You know, buy a guitar just for the hell of it. Uh, well, now I'll be supporting Etsy, and that's okay with me because I own shares of Etsy. It made me feel pretty good. <laughs> but to go back to the numbers you mentioned, it is going to be very interesting to see how Etsy integrates Reverb, and if they are to the extent next quarter or the quarter after that, to the extent that they feel like they want to break out numbers, if they can take Reverb from seven percent. And move it in the direction of the fifteen percent that you talked about. Then not only does that mean good things for this acquisition, but it also probably signals 
at least uh, a willingness on the on the part of Wall Street to say, hey, if you guys want to go out and make some more tuck in yeah. acquisitions, it looks like you have a way to make those work. So go for it. That's a really good point. I mean, you've given us exactly the metric we'll keep our eyes on too. Is just watching the revenue versus the merchandise that's going through that network, and I think we'll probably get that clarity because it sounds like Reverb is going to give. They're going to be given the freedom to basically keep doing what they're doing. You know, as their own entity. I mean, Reverb is not going to change. It's just now an Etsy company, and so typically we get a little bit more clarity. We'll be able to follow the actual shopping behavior and the numbers on Reverb, um, and that'll be that'll be what we'll what we'll pay attention to. Because you're right, if they do prove success there, then the market will for certain give Etsy a little bit more credit to to go do something else like this. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fully. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.